0: Have you ever been watching television and thought, this is what church should be like? It would be so much better if it was like this. Well, anyway, so I was watching Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway the other day, Saturday. And I thought, oh, there's stuff in this that I would love to see at church. There's just something about, right? So they go around all these different random people and they'd surprise them with huge cash prizes and trips to Florida. I just thought, it's the emotional thing, though. There's something where, oh, it's just beautiful where those people who didn't expect anything, who didn't expect a single gift on the, sat on their Saturday night sofa, and suddenly they're live on TV, and they're given this massive prize, and they just burst into tears. Or there was one where this one was sitting down. So the, the, the idea is, like, they've got a studio, and then suddenly they cut to someone's sofa who's watching the TV program, and they're live on it, right? They did this. This woman, and not only did they cut to her live on Saturday night TV, but her husband, who had been in the army, who was in the army, came back that night, and she didn't know. So suddenly she's on live on TV, and then her husband arrives in, and she leaps off the floor in floods of tears. And then they say, "You've won a trip to Florida." I'm like, "That, this is what church should be like." <laughs> That's it. There's something that is just something. That maybe you don't agree. Anyway, so I thought I'd try and bring just a slice. Just a little bit of Anton Deck's Saturday night takeaway to our afternoon service today. We don't have a huge budget for cash prizes at G2, <laughs> but I do have five pounds that can be that can go to one lucky winner. That's a very big version of it. <laughs> that doesn't mean it, it's more valuable. It's still the same amount. You can win this five pounds by answering one maybe three three simple questions (laughs) okay what you have to do for me is tell me who that woman is and then tell me two things about her that is elizabeth fry and this this five pound note is going you have to spend it quickly by the way because it's going out of circulation and won't be valuable in i think like mid-may or something and you're no longer going to spend it But Elizabeth Fry is amazing. And before she disappears from our wallets, I want to tell you a little bit about her. When Elizabeth Fry was a little girl in, well, I guess the 1780s there, so in the 1790s, in the 18th century, she was a very pious little girl. And she was also a very timid and afraid little girl. And she wanted to be an incredible spiritual warrior for God. She wanted to be an amazing lover of all kinds of people she wanted to be she wanted to be well known for being compassionate and kind and fearless as a little girl she wanted all these things but she was terrified of the dark and she was so scared of the dark she couldn't go into rooms when it was when it was nighttime. and she decided she asked god she said if i want to be this kind of fearless warrior for you that does amazing things i'm going to have to deal with this i mean who does that as a child So, Elizabeth Fry, every night, would go in to the dark rooms in her house and stand in them, trembling, praying, Help me, God, help me, God, help me, God. And then she'd go into the next dark room, pitch-black room. Imagine no streetlights or anything. Pitch-black room and say, Help me, God, I'm scared. Help me, God, I'm scared. As she grew older, Elizabeth Fry lost entirely her fear of the dark. And not only that, she lost her fear of dark places. She became a woman who could go into the alleyways of Victorian England where there were prostitutes and pimps and violence. She could walk in there and pray for people. There's an incredible story, and you can even see a snapshot of her going into places like women's prisons there. There's an incredible story of where she went into a prison, and it was so disgusting, it was so dark, that the prison warden wouldn't go with her into the cells. But Elizabeth Fry having done an incredible job when she was a little girl at fighting her fears, stepped in. And she stepped into those women's prisons and prayed for them. One of the most amazing things that she had was a a spiritual gift for reading the Bible. What she was able to do was she'd go into these prisons like that. You can see her little hand on a little Bible. And she'd read the Bible to these people, and they would burst into tears. And she became known far and wide for being so good at reading the Bible that people would be transformed instantly hearing her. When the Queen of Denmark came to England, the person that she wanted to meet was Elizabeth Fry, and she wanted her to read the Bible to her. Elizabeth Fry, as a little girl, chose not to be afraid anymore, so Elizabeth Fry, as a grown woman, wouldn't be scared of anything. Today, I want to first ask you, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? In our service, in, in this next kind of 40 minutes, we're going to be thinking and, and praying into and then actively seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be asking the Holy Spirit into our lives. But my question to begin with, before we do that, is what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? In the New Testament, which is the Gospels which t- account the life of Jesus, and the letters of Paul which are after Jesus and are uh, the early Christian church, countless times it opposes the Holy Spirit to fear. The Holy Spirit of boldness and power to fear. Today, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives in a fresh way. We're going to ask to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. And doing that, we're going to be in opposition to fear. Now, the first passage, I want to read to you one of the passages where the Holy Spirit is first described as being this spirit of boldness. And it's in Acts 4. And Acts is an account of the very early church. And these are guys who are pretty scared because there's not many of them. Their saviour, Jesus, has died. They've been given the Holy Spirit, and that's incredibly exciting, and there are things happening. But they're being oppressed by, in this passage, it says, Herod and Pontius Pilate. So these are people that are, are in a lot of political power. The Christians in this passage are scared. They pray that Lord would consider um, the threats and enable them to speak with great boldness. They pray for the Holy Spirit to come so that they can speak with great boldness. Time and time again, the Holy Spirit is a, is a representative of boldness, and fear is rejected. And it ends this passage where these guys, these early Christians, are filled with this Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God. And it says, and they were, able to, um, they, it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There is a power in this. There's a power in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if, if you've never even heard of it before, is the third head of the Trinity. So if you've ever heard of a ch- church that's called Holy Trinity, it's because there's God the Father Creator, Jesus Christ who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who's the helper. The Holy Spirit is a Spirit of God who we can encounter today. He is God. He's everything that God is. And, he's in, and we're invited to be filled with him and filled with that boldness that it talks about in these early days. Now, Paul, who's the, one, of the first, one of the first followers of Jesus, when he first encounters the Holy Spirit, he realizes the transformative effect of having God come into him. No longer is, is it simply... God in, a, in this in this different sort of separate situation than it was before Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit is within the followers of God, and He meets this ch- uh, the, this group of people who've heard about Jesus. They've heard about they've been forgiven of sins and they've turned back to God and said, "I'm really sorry." And in Acts 19, it talks about Paul meeting them, and he said, "When you believed, did you did you hear the holy? Did you hear about the Holy Spirit?" And they said. And no, we haven't heard about it at all. Then what baptism did you receive, he asks. Then he goes to them and says, okay, if you haven't heard yet about the Holy Spirit's baptism, if you haven't been filled with Him, let's do it now. And, they said, and he said, on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. The Holy Spirit is the person of God. And it's the person of God that fills the believers. Now, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit any time, but in this situation, it describes the first time these guys heard about the Holy Spirit and were filled with him. Maybe, you've, maybe you're already in that situation. Maybe you've been coming to a church for a long time and you've heard, oh, I kind of know what the Holy Spirit is. I know what goes on there. What I want you to do today is think about how can I be refilled with him? How can I be refilled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, time and time again, is, the, is, is described as the boldness of God against the timidity of, of the world. And when Paul, the guy that had filled that church with the Spirit, had gone and prayed for them to fill with the Spirit, he takes up a mentor, a mentee, sorry. He takes up this guy called Timothy who follows him and Paul writes these letters to Timothy saying, this is how you follow Jesus, right? And there's an amazing line where, again, the Holy Spirit is opposed to fear. And it's a line I want us to think about again and again today. And it's in Timothy 2 Timothy. And it says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of love, of power, and of self-control. This is the way in which... Elizabeth Fry would have read it in the King James Version. It says, For God hath not given us in a spirit of fear, but a, a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. This is in a context, this letter that is being written. Is, can we have the whole thing? So it, It's in a context where Paul is in prison writing this thing. He's not in a situation which is really easy. In a situation of real depravity and struggle where he's being beaten and abused, and he writes to the person that he's trying to look after and teach about how to follow Jesus. He says, you've not been given a spirit of timidity. You've been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control through Jesus Christ's grace. You haven't earned it. You didn't need to earn it. You've been given it. So I want to go back to the question that I want to ask you all today is, what are you afraid of? If you've met Jesus or actually maybe you're hearing about him for one of the first times. Did you know this is on offer? If you've known Jesus for a long time, is this the way you live? You have not been given a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. This is the spirit of God in you. This is the work of God in you. So what are you afraid of? I want to go through one by one just the three key things, power, love, and self-control, that this passage used to characterize what the Holy Spirit is in us. First, power. Now, power is often described in like the John Wimber style, power healing, big, like crashing waters. This is the Holy Spirit. He will blow the doors off. And now, that is true, but often the Holy Spirit is also described as gentle, as kind and loving. The Holy Spirit isn't just when we imagine those like big outpourings. It's not just that. It's the kindness of love of God in us. The power that we imagine there, I want to describe in a slightly different way. Yes, that power is true, and God can do anything in us. But I think the power, the fundamental power of the Holy Spirit in us is the power to join with God in creation, I was chatting to my friend yesterday who absolutely loves engineering, right? And he was telling me about this tunnel in Bristol. This tunnel was built in the Victorian era, and it's about two miles long, and it was built by a guy called Brunel. Now, at that time, trains were so unheard of, and nobody had really traveled on them much before. People were really scared that a tunnel at two miles long, people would be too scared to get on. The the darkness of sitting on a tunnel for two miles would mean people were screaming, crying, and trying to get off. Brunel went ahead anyway and built the tunnel, right? And obviously, we found out, yeah, it's OK. We can go down tunnels. Now, recently, they've been trying to figure out whether there's, a, the myth, there's been a myth about the tunnel, right? Or well, there's been a rumor about the tunnel. That on the day of the, the builder's birthday, every single year on that builder's birthday, the sun is in such a place that it shines all the way down the tunnel. That's just a rumor. People thought, there's no way this can actually be true. Right. There's no way that you could build a tunnel in like the mid, mid-19th century and it be able to be at such an angle that the sun itself would be able to pour in on exactly the same day every year and on no other day. Now, there was, they were doing some works on the tunnel a couple of months ago, and they decided to test if the rumor might be true. So they placed some people at um, either end of the tunnel to take photos and to check when, at the beginning of Brunel's birthday, does the sun shine in? And they found that it did. And this is a picture of it. And that's another one. That's a two-mile tunnel of complete blackness. This is a man without modern instruments of uh, of like of, of astronomy or of engineering. This is a man that was pioneering. Every single birthday, the sun is in just a place. The tunnel is in such an angle that. Light pours all the way down it. I want you to imagine the power of the Holy Spirit like this. The power of the Holy Spirit isn't just I I'm gonna I'm gonna be overwhelmed with emotion. That might be it. That for me that might be like the sensory experience of meeting God might be you're overwhelmed with emotion. That's okay. But it's not all that it is. This is the power of the Holy Spirit the power to join in with Creator God in being more you than you've ever been before. It's the power to know your identity is in God's love, that who you are is someone who has, is skilled, who can create, who can collaborate with the person that made you. Isambard Kingdom Brunel was in some ways a genius, and I could never imagine how you could position that all up. But in our lives, we're a little bit like this tunnel. The Spirit of God can pour light all the way down us. And we're a little bit like Brunel. When we choose to have the Holy Spirit, the person that we are already is empowered in new ways. We can turn our dark tunnels that we're really good at already building and have light pour down them. The person you already are, the person you were already made to be, that's the person that the Holy Spirit empowers. Sometimes we think that when we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, it will become a new person, that introverts will become extroverts, that closed people will become open. And I just, I don't buy it. Unless that's something that's been holding you back all your life, unless that's something you don't want to be and don't think you are, I don't buy it. Because who you already are is made by God. And what the Holy Spirit does is he empowers that to new light. And the reason he does that is because God loves you, and the Holy Spirit is God. You have not been given a spirit of timidity, but of power like this, of love and of self-control. Now, we often think of love in a kind of wishy-washy, like, fluffy terms. The Holy Spirit is just like, ah, it's just like kind of makes, gives a kind of warm sensation and that's a nice thing and, oh, we, you know, love is, oh, okay, fair enough. When Paul's writing this thing to his, to his friend Timothy in that letter, in that prison, the love he's talking about is not a weak one. The love he's talking about is the incredible power of God in love. Now, often again, we think of the Holy Spirit as being like prophecy and tongues and these things of the charismatic movement. But it's more than that. And there's a famous verse that I want to I show you through that, that really captures this. And it's in 1 Corinthians. And again, Paul is writing to a church saying that be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's really worth it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, and, you, and you, it is like giving an amazing gift to who you are, to empower who you are in a new way in God's love. But he said that the gifts that you get from it, the understanding, the insight you get from it, are nothing compared to the love of God, and nothing compared to the love of God in you. And he says this, If I speak in tongues of men and angels, the classic stuff of the Holy Spirit, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, again gain nothing. Love is patient and love is kind. That is the picture of the Holy Spirit that captures it truly. The Holy Spirit allows us to do amazing things. He empowers us to be ourselves in a whole redeemed and exciting way. But fundamentally, it's about God's love for you. When we, what we want to do today is we want to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, but we're not inviting a mystical power that, we, that, that is incomprehensible in a way that we can't ever... that is so abstract and incomprehensible that we can't ever have relationship with. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love. The Holy Spirit empowers us to love. And finally, the Holy Spirit empowers us to self-control. Now, there's a... Again, in another letter... Paul captures this, this amazing thing about the Holy Spirit in Philippians. And, he's, and he says that it is God, it is the Spirit who works in you to will and to act to fill his good purpose. Self-control is a really tricky one. Self-discipline is a really tricky one to talk about. We often think, when we, we might have accepted Jesus into our lives, we might have expected, accepted the Spirit into our lives, but we might still feel like, I just don't have any self-control at all. Like In our culture, self-control is like a really strange one. We tend, not to, we tend not to really understand it properly. We tend to be a little bit scared of it. And adverts are constantly telling us that self-control is the enemy and that what you want to have is just unbounded freedom, as though self-control was the enemy of freedom. The thing about the Holy Spirit is it is freedom, it is love and it is power, but it's also self-control. Again, you're not going to, by being filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be turned into someone you're not. But maybe you're going to take some steps towards taking control of the person, taking control of yourself in the way that you want to be. What are you afraid of? This thing's been going around and around in my head this week. What are you afraid of? If you've been given this spirit, what are you afraid of? I get really scared of not getting enough sleep. Now, I know that's ridiculous. To anybody as a parent, I apologize now. I'm really sorry. I know, I know it's pathetic. I know it's really, really pathetic, okay? But I genuinely get terrified of just not waking up incredibly well-rested. Because for some reason, I think that nine hours of sleep equals perfection. And then I will wake up and I will just be the greatest guy. And if I get, you know, eight and a half hours sleep, you really don't want to go near me. I can't do my job. I'll just go, I'll just hide. I know it's ridiculous, but I find it so hard. I actually find it so hard to think, no, I'll be okay with seven hours sleep. I don't need 11. I don't need 11. I I can do life without 11 hours sleep. This week, I'd be desperately trying to get less sleep right? (laughs) I really have. Thank you for nodding, my my kind wife. (laughs) I actually have. I've been getting less sleep. I've been going to bed later and getting up earlier because I'm like, I am actually scared of this thing. This thing has a hold on my life and it makes no sense. It makes no sense. (gasps) I've been genuinely trying and often we find that our fears are quite eccentric. Our fears are genuinely often quite unique and you'll tell someone and they will actually laugh at you like a room of people just did. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah, thanks, safe space, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) all week... I've been telling myself, I have not been given a spirit of timidity. I, don't, I can reject this thing. However much, I read BBC articles that tell me, you are going to die in five minutes if you do not get eight hours sleep a night. They genuinely, it's like constant. You should get, and for me, it's like constant. You should get sleep, you should get sleep. What I did this week was I, was I decided, okay, this verse, I've got to remember this verse. Because if I'm going to get less sleep and still think I'm okay to go to work, I'm going to have to remember this verse. So, I wrote the verse on two pieces of paper and I put them in my shoes. I'm going to show you them. Right. So you believe me. Okay, here's one. I put... That one's actually... Oh, it's completely rubbed off. Okay. I wore them all week. That's that proves it. It proves it. It's gone into me. It's I've imbibed it. Okay. Right. Let's see if this one's through. This might just say... Uh, that's completely rubbed off as well. Okay. <laughs> what was on those pieces of paper was... You have not been given a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And I have been walking on it, and every time I feel those pieces of paper in my shoes, I think, you have not been given a spirit of timidity. Why are you afraid that you're tired? What are you afraid of? You have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. You've been given a spirit of power, like that light shining through the tunnel, to have capacity that you didn't imagine you could have. You've been given a spirit of love, to love in ways that you could never expect, and to be loved in ways that you could never expect. And you've been given a spirit of self-control, to choose to do the things that you're afraid of, to choose to be the person that you're afraid to be, but that you so desperately want. So what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You've been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And I want us to accept that spirit into our lives today. It's a really simple thing. Now you may never have encountered Jesus before. And you, can, and you, may, never have, and you may still be really unsure of whether this Christian life is for you. You may be really unsure if you even believe in it. Well, I don't, there's no pressure on you today to do anything that you're uncomfortable to. But I, I just think about that light going down that tunnel and have a think about stepping one step towards it and saying, okay, I might not understand this, but Holy Spirit, if you really are the spirit of power, love, and self-control, I could do with some of that and if you've been a christian for so many years and you've been filled with the spirit so many times or you've at least understood who the holy spirit is so many times i invite you today to be filled again i invite you to ask yourselves does this look like my life power love and self-control or does my life look like timidity Now, you might not have all the classic fears that we often think. You might not be scared of sleep, and you might not be scared of spiders, and you might be actually a pretty, like, bold and go get a kind of person. This is a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Step forward more into it. Your fears might not be the kind of fears that everyone else has. They might be a little bit deeper. They might not obviously make you a timid person. Go deep with the Holy Spirit. What are you afraid of? Not what is someone else afraid of. What are you afraid of? And then tell yourself, I have been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Now, what I want you to do with me is invite the Holy Spirit into your life in some way. Invite yourself to be filled with it. Now, you you already do have the Holy Spirit in you in some sense if you've accepted Christ. Imagine it like, though, the pilot light on a boiler. What I want us to do is to turn that boiler on today and just heat the whole house. Just invite the Holy Spirit to heat the whole of your body and the whole of your life. Yeah, you've got the pilot light on. Amazing. Let's crank up the heat let those pipes that you've just like, ignored, those rooms that are dark that you don't want to go into, let the Holy Spirit heat them. The Holy Spirit is a gift. He's a better gift than they give on Anton Deck's Saturday night takeaway. He really is. The Holy Spirit is a gift that you can accept. i do you all right, stand with me? Let's all stand.